welcome to the podcast Mindset, Money, Success. Uh, my name's Lorraine and I'm your host. And today I want to cover post-separation legal conflict. Now, this is based on my own experience of the past three years. Um, so I want to just cover a little bit about how it started, why there's no solution after three years, and um, the different elements that I've been through over three years um, of living here in Spain. So how it started was the relationship was terminated abruptly. So it came as a shock. He had been in the UK for a number of weeks, returned on the 25th of August. On the 26th of August, he talked about a transformation thing that he'd been to, to a weekend of transformation coaching, offered me the opportunity to return with him to the UK so I could also have transformation coaching. Um, I just questioned why. And he said that it was so that I could have the success in business that I'd always wanted. I did have success in business when I was in the UK because I was a property manager in my own business. I did HMO property rentals, student rentals, uh, family lets and professional lets. So I'd run that business for 11 years before I arrived here in Spain in 2016. And then I um, sold that business. So the reason why it came into this legal conflict, he terminated the relationship on the 27th. On the 29th, he was then selling his house. He was selling his other house in the UK. And he wrote me a letter which spelled out what he was prepared to do in order that I would have some financial security moving into retirement. At that point in 2020, I was 59. So in this letter that I have is basically he says that he he's prepared to share the value of the house 50-50. Uh, within that 50%, there would be um, my mortgage redeemed um, for the property I had in the UK. Um, so at least I would have some form of monthly income from the rental, uh, which that property in the UK was... 50% of my final retirement pension. And um, only thing was, in the letter, it said he would only pay off or redeem that mortgage after I had left the property, which didn't sit well with me. There was other elements in the letter, which was... Uh, if I wanted to leave straight away immediately, then he would rent me somewhere. Uh, I could take any of the furniture from the house. He would pay for all the legal fees on the sale of the house and on my purchase of another property. So all of this was set out in the letter. And at the very end of the letter, he said that we could take this letter to a notary in order to have it signed into a legal agreement so I would have some security. So that was the letter. 
obviously it took me a little while to process because number one, I was obviously in shock. I hadn't a clue why, what he'd done. Uh, all that I knew is that he'd met another woman and he wanted to move on very, very quickly with this new person who wasn't actually new because he had known this woman before. So I'm left in a space of like not knowing what was going on, but I decided to cooperate with his idea of selling the house and um, instructed agents. So within just a few days, um, the agent has people view. And I am um, talking to the person. And today I'm recording this podcast outside. I just want to apologize if you hear any traffic going down because the, there's a motorway just in the next field. So I just want to make that clear. So I'm talking to um, the person who's looking at this property, viewing the property, and they ask a question about the motorway. Do you hear anything from the motorway? And I just respond, um, well, yes, I can hear lorries go down the motorway in the morning. Uh, sometimes it's like six o'clock in the morning. I do hear lorries going down the motorway. But in the summer, I have the windows open. To which this person responds about, are the windows double glazed? And I say, well, I think, yes, they are. And that was all I said. So four days later, um, the agent feeds back some negative comments that I've made to her clients. And so this uh, is where the conflict comes in because on the 4th of September, just a few days after um, this, these people have viewed the property and I've been cooperating with everything, then he comes into the bedroom and then threatens me uh, with... Uh, basically, he says, don't F about with me. Um, I'm in control. You do as I say, or I can throw you out onto the streets. And he is in my face telling me this. And I'm again put in fear and again in shock because this was meant to be the person who I've been in a relationship for 11 years and here he was saying this to me. I couldn't, it was, it was just totally not what I was expecting. So I was already in that space of fear, shock, grief. Um, then, um, that was the first incident. I then am looking around at all the different properties, hundreds of houses within the price range, thinking I need to work out what to do to keep um, myself going. Um, and then we've, I find two that might be possible. And he actually wants to come and view these properties with me. So we go and look at them. But for, while I'm looking at these properties and I'm thinking of everything that I've obviously already done to this house and uh, and how I've just gotten it to where it's like nice, a home, um, and then thinking of starting over again, completely fresh and completely new. 
I was totally in fear. I looked at the house. I looked at how ramshackle it looked. And, 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 and from that point forward, I was thinking, why do I need to do this? I don't want to start over again. I don't want to have to go into that house and buy new fridge oven freezers uh, and all of this to start over and to have to decorate and to do all of these things. I didn't want to do that again. And so I thought that maybe he would be okay that I was able to stay here and that we could come to some arrangement whereby I could then start a business here, uh, a retreat business. Now, this was my idea. So I made a counter proposal that I sent to him on the 12th of September. And um, because he'd had these two days of coaching with this transformation breakthrough therapy coach, he'd offered me the same coaching. And that actually took place over the, the weekend of from the 12th and the 13th of September, where I then discussed the plans that I had in my head and that I'd rang up and found out about tourist licenses. I'd looked at how much my uh, mortgage was actually and what the redemption figure was. Uh, and I'd made inquiries and I'd looked at um, how you might be able to get a buy to let or remortgage the property so I could pull money out and even uh, end up purchasing another property in the UK. So I would have not just one, but two houses in the UK that would bring an income and remain here in the property and pay him back 50% of the value of this house, which was uh, 230,000 at that time in 2020. So I would be needing to raise 115,000 in order to remain here. Uh, and that was my idea, which I'd put together and, ex and, and explained it in an email to him so that we could discuss it. So come to the day of the discussion and just before then, he has seen a GoFund page that I have put together. I shared it privately with a lot of people here and uh, nobody fed anything back. And one person said it was a great idea and they shared it publicly and which I didn't want it to be shared publicly. So my ex-partner saw this page that I'd put together and was very, very angry. And in the text messages, I could see, obviously, he was angry. He called me a crazy. Um, there was a few messages, asked if it, it was any point in coming to this meeting. And I said, yes, as long as he was not angry and abusive. I'd, that was what I put in the message that I sent and I asked if we could record the meeting. Uh, there was two reasons for wanting to record the meeting. Number one, I thought that recording the meeting, at least it can be transcribed at the end. We come to any agreements, it can be transcribed. Then we can take that um, to a notary and we can sign it because I'd put my proposal in an email He'd considered the proposal and that's what we were meant to discuss. So the meeting starts on the 15th of September and we're both sitting in the room next door. 
and I reach out to get the email to open up the email and he shuts me down and tells me that I haven't understood anything that he said and that I need to know what he wants and what he needs. And so I can't even open the email or discuss anything that I've actually wrote because now I have to sit there and listen to what he wants and what he needs. And that meeting lasted for 26 minutes. And I've still got that recorded on my phone in which I was again threatened with my suitcases out of the door. I was intimidated. I was humiliated. And it's all on a recording in this phone. So that was how the conflict started because I had a different idea. I wanted to buy him out of the property that he was leaving me in because he was going to move into this house of this new woman. He was moving on very quickly to this person, leaving me in charge of selling the house, which was meant to be our house. And okay, I thought, right, fine. But I had asked if he would pay the mortgage off before he left. I still needed an income. I still needed money in order to buy food and to pay for my car, to pay for my health insurance. I was all in a turmoil. Even an employer would recognize that a person who has gone through that shock and grief would need time off work. And so I don't know why he thought that I would be just able to just continue as if nothing had happened after I'd been threatened twice. That wasn't going to happen. It's a very difficult situation to be in, in fear and grief at the same time. Um, so after that, there was... Um, Basically, this is how we've got no solution over the last three years. I was being told I needed legal advice. And in Spain, um, it was 2020 lockdown. It was very difficult to find any uh, solicitors that were open. I did get some legal advice via email. And so the first advice I got was um, because... I'm not married. Uh, it would be negotiate, stay in the property, negotiate, right? Also, because of the situation with the threats, the way he was, the verbal abuse that I'd suffered then at that point, I was told if there was any further, um, abuse, I was to ring a certain number to get help. So that was the first legal advice. Eventually, I did find another lawyer to go and seek advice. In the meantime, the house was taken off the market and I receive another email which is telling me that he is now going to take 
the legal route for eviction, the civil court route for eviction. And he copies in his lawyer and I'm told that I was, I am now going to leave with nothing because now I'm being blamed for everything that has happened that the house is took off the market and nobody can view because of what's happened. Um, so that's the basis of what happened then. I, t I take my recording and some emails to the solicitor and get advice. The advice I received was file a gender violence complaint. I looked at solicitor and I said, can you not write to his solicitor? And I was told, no. Did you not hear what he said? You can't negotiate with him. It's in the recording. So that solicitor said, you need to file a gender violence complaint. And I didn't really want to do that. So just going through that situation, I came out of that office, having paid for that advice and thought, I, well, I was confused. I spoke to uh, someone else, a family friend, who then said to me, that didn't sound like good advice. But I didn't have that many options. All of my options would be closed down. No job. No, no other form of income. A tiny bit of savings um, that I didn't really want to spend on like any expensive legal advice at the time and not knowing like all of the uncertainty and not knowing what was going to happen. Eventually I decided, okay, I will file a report and I decided to go ahead with a Spanish English speaking person to go to the police station, travel to, to get uh, to the translator and as I arrived, broke down in tears, couldn't go through with it. Now, I didn't understand at that point, right? But that is a natural, normal reaction of people who were in my position. And I have recently looked up uh, and done some research on the UK um, crime prosecution service website and I have a couple of quotes that I took from that website and I want to read those out um, because it's very important um, domestic abuse is not a private family matter it is a crime victims may feel that they should not or cannot report abuse to the police to protect their or their suspect's family, especially if they're being subject to controlling or coercive behaviour. 
The second quote that I pulled out, because I've tweeted these quotes on my account. The second one is, false allegations of domestic abuse are extremely rare. Any and all allegations of domestic abuse made by a victim should be treated seriously by prosecutors. Coming forward to report domestic abuse is often extremely difficult for victims and can be re-traumatising. And a third quote is, domestic abuse often takes place in private, so the victim may be the only witness. The law does not require cooperation. Prosecutors can and do proceed on the word of the victim against that of the suspect. So that's from the CPS UK website. Now, I write on my blog at lifechangeplans.com and so I have numerous articles published there. The law is clear on domestic abuse that coercion and controlling behaviour and emotional and psychological abuse is a crime. How many individuals report this type of crime and or feel that they were listened to and supported? And that was my question. Because I found that although I was being advised to file a gender violence complaint, I didn't really want to do it. I tried to reach out to the lawyer that we had had when we first arrived here, the lawyer that looked at the purchase, the solicitor that did our uh, residence here. And I reached out to try and get some negotiations, talks going. I was not wanting to become the enemy. He had already said in the beginning he wanted to end things amicably. Um, we could still remain friends. If I wanted to remain friends, quite frankly, I knew there was no way I would remain friends with, a, with anyone who had treated me disrespectfully and who had abused his power over me. So I knew that I didn't want to remain friends with this person any longer. But I didn't want to become the enemy or be blamed for everything that happened. So after I then file the gender violence complaint, I have to appear in the court. I didn't want to be labelled a victim of gender violence. And the first court appearance was two days after I'd filed the complaint. Then um, it took until January of 2021 where the case was heard again. 
And by March of 2021, the case was dismissed. And I was advised then to go to social services, to go to get uh, other help because I'd been given free public um, solicitor, all victims of gender violence in Spain are appointed free legal assistance in the cases of uh, gender violence, which is domestic abuse. And um, that had ended when the case was dismissed. So I was advised then to appoint, go to um, a charity organization here in order to get further legal advice. Now, this is where the conflicts came in. So I see the lawyers in the um, gender violence charity, which is called CAVI. And the advice that I received at that point was, don't make any further complaint. You will make him angry. He was already angry. Negotiate is what I was told. I'd already tried to negotiate. I then send the sentence and the um, I get in touch with the original solicitor who would advise to do the complaint and he reads out the information from the judge and from the sentence and he sends me an email and he states, you need to appeal. So on one hand, I'm told, don't make any further complaint. You'll make him angry. You need to negotiate. The other, the other solicitor is then telling me, you need to appeal. The gender violence court only heard one minor verbal abuse, not a long case of a bad behavior. And obviously, I am now even more confused and re-traumatized by the situation. Now, because um, I'm told to negotiate, I had found a mediation company in the UK who I then instruct to try to connect to the former partner to try and do what that lawyer had said, negotiate. Now, the law is a grey area because, yes, we've got the criminal law on um, the gender violence and on the other side there is um, the laws of precarious eviction. Now, because the relationship that we had been in was not recognised because we're not married and we hadn't registered a cohabitation relationship in the local authority. Now, in Spain, you can register the relationship with the local authority. It's called para de hecho, right? And this hadn't been done. So I am precarious living in a property that I have no name on the deeds, but an offer of 50% of the value from an ex-partner who is now 
wanting to go to court after he's threatened me twice with a legal eviction of throwing me out on the street, he is now going through the legal route through the courts. And um, so all of this is playing out. And now I have a mediator who is meant to be in, able to negotiate. So that plays out from March, from um, yeah, March and April and into May. And then I discover, um, because there's been this agreement with this mediator, that some of my ex-partner's belongings and his vintage MG sports car is to be moved out of this property, then I would receive a first instalment of money that has already been paid by my former partner to the mediation company. And because uh, the everything had been moved, tran the car was transported uh, from the property, and I was expecting the first payment. A week went by, no payment. Another week went by, no payment. Three weeks, four weeks, no payment. I discovered that the mediation company had lied. There was no payment from the ex-partner to their account. And that's why I didn't get any payment. So I immediately sacked off the mediation company. Um, so that was one attempt failed. Obviously, there'd been various other attempts in between of this mediation company. That was the closest I actually got to having any sort of agreement signed. The next attempt was in the middle of 2021. It was July. And um, there is now a buyer stepping forward who's viewed the property and wants to pay a deposit. And so uh, this is a point where I actually end up getting a written, handwritten, signed agreement that money will be paid on sale agreed. So as soon as a sale is agreed, I can then get the payment and move forward. So at this point in July of 2021, the payment has gone from 115000 to nothing at all. And in the mediation process, it started at 13000 went to 25000 40000 right? In June then the mediation company is sacked and I then see some emails from the former partner that are now telling me I've got two weeks or three weeks and I have to leave uh, and he's instructed a specialist solicitor in Barcelona to evict me. So I'm still being told I'm going to be evicted. You're going to live with nothing. And at the same time, he's trying to lower a 40,000 um, offer to 25,000 and still telling us I've only got a few weeks. So it's everything is moving all at the same time. An offer here, 40,000 to 25,000. In the next email, it's 35,000 then he is going to be in Spain. 
So I then allow the viewing, the offer's on the table, they want to purchase the house. So I end up getting this handwritten agreement, which would be 10,000 within a couple of weeks on the sale agreed and uh, uh, 30,000 in order to move out. And that would be it. So this is which I have been explained by the solicitors in the gender violence um, charity. It should be money first, then leave. This is what I was told. Money first, then leave. So I have now typed up the handwritten agreement, which is meant to be going to be signed, and the people come to make another viewing before they go to the notary or the uh, to make the deposit. Within that space of time between the former partner leaving the house with and these people going to pay, he changes the agreement again. Doesn't ask about changing the agreement. He just changes the agreement. And the money is not going to be paid until vacant possession, which means I leave first, then the money is paid. And that is not what the gender violence lawyer told me when I went to the charity for advice. So now I'm in another situation of the goalposts are being moved, everything's being moved around, You can't, it's not reasonable, you can't um, say one thing and then it's all changed. Um, and I then offer... I have somewhere to leave. I've got somewhere to go. If you pay that settlement first, I can then leave. And I send that email to the former partner. He wouldn't pay anything. That left me still locked into a situation where I couldn't leave the house even when I said I had somewhere to go he wouldn't pay 40,000 in order that I could start over a new life so following the legal advice I'd received don't leave the property I obviously steer The court case is the next step. All of this time, throughout 2021, Christmas 2021, January 2022, I receive another communication from a former partner. And it's like nothing has happened. Happy New Year, Lorraine. And you look at the email and you just can't believe that anyone who has treated you so badly can just send out of the blue an email as if nothing had happened. And I take my time and I don't respond straight away. 
So I get advice from a relationship coach who I have met via social media because she went through a similar situation with a separation, uh, but it didn't end up with conflict. Um, so I respond amicably to say, okay, fine. I will accommodate people coming to view the house if you will honour your first agreement so that at least I will have an income and money to move on. No. The next email I receive a few days later, have you not seen these court documents that I'm sending in a separate email? You are now at risk of the Guarda civil turning up unexpectedly and you will be asked to leave with just your personal possessions. Was that another threat? Was that to put me in fear? Because I can tell you that's what happened. After I read that and I just felt sick, sick. So I sent that email forward to the same lawyer that had advised me to file the gender violence complaint in the first place. And he told me, no, the Guarda Civil can't turn up at the gate and ask you to leave. You have to go and collect the court documents. You need to collect those documents and stop the eviction first. And that's what I had to do. So that was another part of the conflict. So in the middle of 2022, June 2022, I have been appointed a free public defender who is a female solicitor. Now, I know what's happening to me. I know how he has behaved and everything that's gone on, how the gender violence case was dismissed. But because it was dismissed doesn't mean that he is not guilty. It just means there was insufficient evidence for the judge to come to a decision. It was dismissed. So I'm telling this solicitor that is this free public defender about all of the incidents that's happened and how this is part of the emotional and psychological abuse by the former partner. It's not just that he wants his house back. He had the opportunity to have his house back in 2021 when I'd offered I leave. I've got somewhere to live. I've got somewhere if you paid the money first. You see, the thing is, when you don't have legal representation and you're trying to negotiate with someone who's so unreasonable, it's fairly impossible to do it on your own without having a legal representative that will put your case to another solicitor. It has to be 
one solicitor and another solicitor who are communicating in order to lay the, the agreement. Because if you were talking to someone who is not reasonable and just wants conflict, then obvious they move the goalposts to change things. And they do that even with a solicitor, but quite often the solicitor then realizes the circumstances when they've written out a whole document and at the last minute they'll say, hold a minute, can we not change this? Or can we just alter that? Uh, or they want to change the time or, or they want to change the amount. And so a lawyer and a solicitor would realize that this person is con high conflict uh, and unreasonable. Um, so I've got this free public defender. I attend this um, court hearing on June the 10th. And it was five minutes in the court, five minutes. Now, I was expecting that it was a verbal hearing. I'd been to the court five days before. I wanted to present evidence to the court. I didn't realize that as a as the person who was in the court, I couldn't put the evidence forward. Evidence has to go through the solicitor and it has to go through a barrister. Now, I tried to give my evidence to my public defender. She was not interested in putting any evidence to the court. And I spoke to a court official the few days before. And the court official said, your lawyer is not helping you. You need to sack the lawyer and make official complaint at the College of Solicitors. I didn't do that. My understanding was it was a verbal hearing. My understanding was I would be allowed to speak and I wasn't. I was silenced. I couldn't say anything at that court. All that happened was his lawyer said something. My lawyer said something and the case was shut down and that was it. And I was now evicted. That was it. Um, so I make a fuss about that, uh, send emails to all of the legal people who've been involved. The solicitor that we had as a joint solicitor, the solicitor who had given the, the gender violence advice to file the gender violence advice, the free public lawyer, the College of Solicitors. I send emails to all of those and kick up a fuss at what happened. Then all of a sudden, the public defender decides to put an appeal in. An appeal goes forward from 2022. And that appeal is heard by three independent judges. The only problem with that is that the only evidence that is actually looked at is the evidence that appeared in the case in the first instance. So what was the point of an appeal? It was to make more time because none of the evidence was actually put and there wasn't any questions. There was no questions of the plaintiff and I wasn't allowed to speak. So there was no evidence to look at. So the three independent judges who have the appeal case dismissed, right? And that was the middle, I think it was 2023 by the time that came back, about April. 
2023 or May. Um, so that didn't work. All told, from 2020, when I wrote my alternative proposal to now, there has been more than 10 failed attempts of either mediation or negotiation, whereby he didn't want to negotiate or when he did negotiate, he kept changing the time frame or changing the amounts. And every step of the way, I have been trying to cooperate and negotiate. Um, last year, in 2023, there was an underground water leak. And I, I only realized there was an underground water leak when I accessed the emails where the water bills were coming in. I had been in grief for a long time through 2023 because I lost my youngest daughter in December of 2022 when she died very suddenly. And I had experienced a lot of grief through 2023. So I hadn't paid attention to what was going on really. So I have to reach out now because my lawyer has ignored emails about this water leak, I have to reach out now back to the former partner to explain about how the bills have increased and there was an underground water leak. And he cooperates and the leak is repaired through the insurance on this house. A few weeks later, I notice again a streak of damp, earth that goes across the drive and I know that means that the leak underground is still leaking and so again I have to reach out to the former partner and explain as a water leak and we have a, some conversation about that and we come to the conclusion the whole pipe needs to be replaced but they don't know whether or not the insurance company would actually pay to have the whole of this pipe replaced. And so um, he wants to send someone to the house. In fact, he did send someone to the house, but he didn't ask me first if it was okay to send someone to the house. And I didn't want to have anyone to the house. And so I just said, no, I didn't want this particular person to attend at the house and he got annoyed by that um, so I then decide to investigate the situation I get in touch with the plumbers who've repaired the leak I ask them how much it is to put run a whole new pipe and they give me a quote which is like 3,000 euros which means that they're going to obviously dig up the the ground put a new pipe in and connect it one end and connect it at the other end in order that the water is restored properly. And I thought, well, 3,000 sounds a lot of money. And I asked a friend of mine about how much it might cost to run a new pipe across the land and then bury the, the pipe in the land once the pipe's connected. 
And that came to, I think, something like less, about 200 euros, because plastic pipe here isn't very expensive. It's like 80 euros for 100 meters of mains water pipe. And then you've got the plumbing cost of obviously connecting it at one end and connecting it at the other. So I replaced the pipe. And then I text the message to a former partner to say, look, I've repaired everything. I've replaced the whole water pipe. And the next thing that happens is two days later, the 30th, June 2023, I haven't got any water and I don't know why. So I go right the way down to the water meter to check to see why there's no water, thinking that someone's just turned off the water pipe with the um, the tap at the bottom. And when I get to the water meter, there is no water meter. It's been completely removed. And that is when I find out that I have to ring the water company and the water company tell me that Two days before, when I had texted the message to say, I've replaced the whole of the water pipe, my former partner terminated the contract for the, electric uh, for the electricity and terminated the contract for the water, and the water company turned up and removed the water meter. A few weeks later, the electricity company arrive and terminate the the meters and take two meters out of the meter cupboard the solar meter and the electricity meter and so then in 2023 i was left here with no water and no electricity and my lawyer uh, who is uh, a criminal lawyer who i engaged because of other allegations that a former partner put forward um, at the end of October of 2022 because a former partner had decided to make seven criminal complaints allegations against me from 2022 when I published my book, Post-Separation Abuse, Betrayal and Abandonment, What Type of Man? So the seven allegations were made from 2022 and I received those in October of 2022 and it didn't get heard in the court until September 2023. There was a long period where there's been a lot of Spanish justice strikes and so there's been a long period of no action through courts. So not only did I have an eviction hanging over my head and an appeal, um, I had seven criminal allegations from his same lawyer, uh, which added up. He his lawyer had made a request in the court documents uh, for the, each allegation to carry the maximum prison, which totaled 17 years cumulative prison sentence 17 years for these seven allegations so that's uh, 
2022 to 2023. So I've appointed a criminal lawyer by now because I have now had to liquidate my UK uh, pension, sell the property to the tenants who live there and liquidate that in order to survive because I'd run out of money in 2022. I completely ran out of money despite all of my attempts to earn from my YouTube channel, my blog and affiliate marketing that I was doing. I'd earned a little, but not a lot. And because of all of the stress, because of all of the trauma, the grief of my daughter dying, it was too much stress and trauma to actually even think straight, let alone perform in a business. And so my financial circumstances suffered. I liquidated my property, which was meant to be my pension. And because I had that money, I was able then to instruct a lawyer, a criminal defense lawyer for the case and the allegations, the seven allegations. I still never found any lawyer that would set up negotiations to say, look here, that shouldn't happen. That's wrong. This is the situation. This needs to be addressed. That needs to be addressed. I still didn't find any solicitor that would do that. For Despite the advice that I received was, don't file any more gender violence complaints. You'll make him angry. He was already angry. Negotiate. I'd already tried to negotiate. You can't negotiate with a person who is unreasonable. It's impossible. So now this is where I am at. Three years, three overlapping litigations. In December of 2023, five of the criminal allegations were dismissed. Two of the allegations go forward and I don't know when that will be heard. The two allegations are defamation and damages. And so this is where I'm at. And the eviction for the minute has been suspended because obviously the wasn't a fair trial. The haven't did the proper reports. There've never been any reports. There's been no evidence. There wasn't any questions asked of the plaintiff. And because of everything that I've experienced and because of the research that I've actually done, I know that the law has not been on my side. And I just feel as if I've experienced one injustice after another injustice and not being heard at all. And so I just want to be able to put my story out. And that was the whole reason why I published my first book in May 2022, just two weeks before the civil court 
eviction hearing because I wanted to put the truth out. And I intend in publishing my next book, publish another book to explain all of the different circumstances of how I survived and what I've done and how the courts haven't supported us. Um, and I've got the title for that book, which I intend to publish later this year. Deceptions and illusions embroidered with truth. And I'll still be using my pen name, Lorraine Kaling. Um, and that's going to cover the conflict and the situation from 2022 to now. And I'm hoping that eventually I will get justice and I will be able to have a new life for myself. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.